So this here is Bowser, formerly of Shanana, and you are listening to the Claws Corner. Grease for peace. episode of the Claws Corner. Today's guest is a guitarist, mixing engineer, mastering engineer, and songwriter. His current band, Bad Marriage, has toured nationally with Tesla and Buck Cherry. They have also opened up for Extreme, Stephen Piercy, LA Guns, Jeff Tate, Last in Line, Scott Whalen, Steel Panther, and many, many more. In 2022, they shared the stage with legends such as Alice Cooper, Quiet Riot, Kicks, Night Ranger, and Tom Kiefer. Their latest release, it's an EP entitled Artificial Mind, is now available with songs such as Tear It Down, Artificial Mind, Together, Broken, and 300 Miles are destined to make this an instant classic. You can currently find him on the Glam Slam Metal Tour Part 2, along with Nuff's Enough and the Choir Boys. So with that being said, let's welcome the extremely talented Mike Fitz to the Claws Corner. Mike, how are you? Hey, thanks, man. I'm, I'm, uh, I'm very good and I'm uh, happy to be here. All right, I'm so glad to have you here. I've, as I told you off the air, I've been listening to your EP probably about at least six or seven times. No exaggeration. I love the run. So I've been listening to that. It's a great running EP. It really gets me going, pumped up. And then I went back and listened to Bad Marriage 1 and 2. Just as good. You guys are a solid rock band, and I'm so happy that for your success lately. So I want to. Awesome, man. Well, go ahead. All right, no, so to say what I wanted to talk about, like um, we have so much to talk about, as I mentioned in the intro, I wanted to start with the Glam Slam Metal Tour Part 2 featuring Bad Marriage, Enough's Enough, and the Choir Boys. I know it started touring on June 30th. Is that correct? Yeah, I mean, all the dates are kind of running into each other now. Yeah. Uh, we're, right now, we're in Montreal. Um, we got here today. Uh, we have a show tonight, uh, tomorrow night um in montreal so we're here a day early just making sure we got into the country good and everyone's here and safe and uh but yeah it's been it's been going great i think we're uh six or seven shows in and um it's 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 been kicking ass how'd you get that tour um you know me and chip from enough's enough just started chatting um a few months ago when we had played with bad marriage and uh played with enough's enough um in boston uh at a place called sammy's patio a few months ago and i just think you know I, i've known chip for a little bit um we played with him in the past with enough's enough and um i just hit him up and i said you know bad marriage is looking to hit the road we want to stay busy we have a new ep out the artificial mind um so he's you know he said right back uh you know we might have something going on in the summer so it just, uh, that's how it unfolded. So it all came together pretty well. And are you playing larger venues, stadiums, smaller venues, all of the above? <clears throat> uh, for the most part, I mean, no, uh, they're probably, they're on the smaller side, but they're still awesome places. Um, you know, I would say they're clubs, um, you know, anywhere from 200 to 500 person clubs. And, uh, but they've all been pretty awesome and uh, they've been pretty well crowded. So uh, we're, we're, we're definitely having fun. All right, I'm glad to hear that. So, do you have any? I'm I'm in Connecticut. Do you have any dates in this area, or have you already played here? Because maybe I missed it. We did when we start. We didn't play Connecticut. The closest we came was New Bedford, Massachusetts. Ah. Uh, we played New York City. Um, we played um, a really cool place in New Jersey called uh, Dingbats. <laughs> um, the New York City place was cool. The Bowery Electric. So um, yeah, now we're, we have um, three dates in Canada um and then we're detroit and then we get a bunch of other ones after that so we're kind of just starting we're almost uh we're almost hit the middle point yeah. right. in the tour well you know it's funny when i was doing my research on you i found an old flyer with you playing the webster theater which is in hartford near where i live opening up for steel panther that must have been a fun show i love steel panther they seem like a bunch Amazing. of great guys yeah, yeah. oh yeah they're, they're, not only are they great guys super talented yeah. um we got to open for them twice i think that was the second time the first time was the house of blues in boston um and yeah they're, they're killer shows they bring a great crowd that really likes rock and roll and has a lot of fun so yeah we, we definitely enjoyed that and the webster was really cool too yeah, yeah it was a former movie theater that turned into a club i love it. i go there all the time to see shows 
yeah, we love the old theaters and stuff. And, and it's just cool too that then, you know, they're still keeping theaters intact and, and having shows, you know? Yeah. All right. So tell me, the what, what is the Looney Bin? The Looney Bin is, is yeah. one of our favorite places to play. It's, it's a bar um, in Laconia, New Hampshire. Um, and, you know, it's one of our one of our stomping grounds. Um, every year they have uh, a, what's called Laconia Bike Week. Um, it's very similar to Daytona and Sturgis, all the big bike weeks. And um, we do a couple of dates there every every year that they have that bike week. So it's a, it's a great time to look forward to. Uh, we've made a lot of fans there and the, uh, the, the bar is really cool. So it's just all around a good time to look forward to every year. What other bands play that? I'm not sure. You know, it's, it's, again, it's, it's like they, they have that festival every year, the, the bike week and, and Michelle, the owner there has a bunch of, you know, revolving bands, but we've become a state. We've been, we've been very lucky to become a staple there. And, uh, Again, it's just a place that we look forward to. Um, it's kind of like a backyard party. Um, and uh, yeah, we, we just have a blast. Right. Well, as I mentioned in the intro, Bad Marriages play with many, many great acts. I mean, I went down the list, so many legends. And um, I, what I wanted to ask you was uh, playing with all these great musicians, these legends, what is the best piece of advice that they gave you? Well, yeah, um, trying to think. You know, it's, it's not that they openly just say, Hey guys, come here. I want to give you advice. It's, it's yeah. what you make. It's what you make and, and learn from watching them, you know, and it's not just on stage, it's off stage. So, um, you know, we, we, we've got to tour with Tesla. We probably did three or four different large tours with them. So we got to not only see the country with them, but you get to watch and learn how they act, um, how they operate, how they carry themselves on off stage, the etiquette that goes along with, um, you know, talking to venues, talking to their own sound engineers, to you know, every, every everybody involved in what in how a concert is put on. Um, you know, so you, you learn a lot uh, if you, if you 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 will definitely learn a lot if you pay attention and you're willing to learn. So I think that that's the that's the key to uh, up and coming musicians that that learn from successful bands is how, just how they operate. You know, and just paying close attention to uh, how they carry themselves. Mm -hmm. That's yeah. That's the best school that you can go to. Is just touring with yeah. these bands that have been around forever. I mean, they learn from all their experiences back in the '80s, and now they're, you know, they're mature, more mature. They know exactly what works and what doesn't work. So yeah, you have you have the best schooling with all these great bands you've played with. Right. So before we get to the EP, I want to talk about that. I want to go sure. back to Mike Fitz, the early years. So <laughs> growing up, who were your biggest influences? Well, I, I remember my dad had a, had a jukebox in our basement uh, when I was really young. And, you know, I always I always tell people this when they ask me that. I just remember the sounds of like Elvis coming out of there. Yeah. Um, and, I, and I specifically remember Zeppelin, Led Zeppelin II, um, the sounds of Jimmy Page's guitar that, that really drew me to the sound of the, the, you know, big sounding electric rock and roll guitar. So, um, you know, I think that's always resonated with me, the, the, you know, the big... Les Paul, Marshall sound. Um, and then obviously being from Boston, you, you grew up with, with, uh, with bands like Aerosmith. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, uh, those, those were probably the founding, founding um, bands that, that I, that I, you know, really clicked in my head. And then of course, of course you go, you, you know, you get to high school and middle school and your friends are listening to different stuff and, you know, um, it just go, it just kind of, spreads from there, you know, but I, I think the early days was, was Elvis and Zeppelin that I remember hearing from, uh, um, you know, my dad's jukebox. Yeah, it was funny for me because my father liked pretty much everything you just mentioned, all the classic rock. My mother mm -hmm. was more on the pop side. So growing up, I got the best of both worlds. I got a chance to, you know, hear Zeppelin, The Doors, all of those bands. But then my yeah. mother loved The Carpenters, um, ABBA, stuff like that. So I had a great appreciation. I still have a great appreciation for all types of music. And I, I'm, I'm glad that my parents taught me to be that open-minded because I know so many people. I used to be in metal bands when I was in the uh, late 80s. All my friends were like, Metallica, Megadeth. I'm like, two great bands, but there's so much more out there and you're missing out in all these great bands just because you think that like it's only this and only that. So I, um, I'm glad that I had that influence from both people, but I love all the bands that you mentioned and the fact that now that you get the chance to probably meet them, play with them, must be like dream. Right. 
Yeah, definitely. And and you said yeah, like and and I just from I remember my mom was always blasting Fleetwood Mac. She was a big yes. Stevie Nicks fan. So yeah, I, and the Beatles. And so yeah, I, it was, I'm pretty well versed with with everything. Yeah, and then when I got a little older, I loved Metallica, Megadeth. I loved all that stuff. So yeah, yeah. And I think especially when you're more open minded like you are, it makes you a better musician because you're not just stuck in one genre you can have be influenced by so many different areas and then when you're writing your own music you can take the best of everything and it makes your songs better and makes you know i i, I appreciate people like you that are open-minded to different things yeah i agree i mean i think it, it all it all it all helps the, the more you expand your you know horizon or catalog of music i mean the more you absorb and when you when you when then when you you come to, to writing songs and it can only help you know now, all right. So, what about current favorites? Uh, bands? Yeah. Um, I think that they like. I, I you know I have my set of uh, classic bands that I always like to listen to, like everyone does. You know, whether it's ACDC, um, like Led Zeppelin. You know, like you said, I like the Doors. I like Pink Floyd. I like all the good stuff. Um, but I like my share of metal too. You know, I love Judas Priest. I love the yes. classic metal bands like that. Um, you know, the list goes on. As far as new. Um, let me see. Uh, what have I been listening to lately? Um, I've been listening to a band called Crowbot lately. I really like oh, yeah. Crowbot. Really good band. Um, yeah, I, like I mean, I've been listening to Rose Tattoo. I know they're not new, but they're an Australian band. I really love Airborne. They're another Australian band. Um, you know, I, I listen to so much different stuff, though. Yeah. But uh, yeah. yeah. All right. Well, I have a question. You mentioned ACDC. Bon Scott or Brian Johnson? Oh, I mean, <laughs> I, I have to go with Von Scott. Yeah, have to. But I, I still love, I still love all of their stuff, and and the fact that they could even carry on without him, and then do so much greatness with with uh, Brian Johnson, it just amazes me every time I, I I listen to both both of them. Oh no, I agree with you. I remember like when Back in Black came out in 1980, and, and nobody ever really thought that that was, that was it. Von Scott died, and then right. wow, he took me all night long. Yeah. Back in Black, Hell's Bells. And it completely, I love the fact that basically Angus Young plays the same three chords, but it never gets boring to me. I love every <laughs> song and it's just, you're rocking out every time. I've seen them in concerts so many times and I never, ever get bored with their music. But yeah, I agree exactly what you said because I love, you know, Dirty Deeds, Done Dirt Cheap, TNT, but then I listen to Brian Johnson. So, I mean, I'm sure there's other bands, but whenever people, I mention this, it's always like Sammy Hagar with Van Halen and Brian Johnson with ACC. I'm sure there's other bands, but those are two major bands that, you know, when somebody major leaves and they still go on to even greater success, that's really impressive. Yeah. Yeah. It's amazing. All right. So for you, how old were you when you realized that you wanted to be a musician? It was probably, uh, um, probably eight, eighth grade, maybe freshman year in high school. Um, and I had a few friends that were a year or two older than me. And, um, you know, so I would say probably roughly 14 or 15 and I would watch them play, you know, we'd have a half day at school and we'd go over the, to our friends' houses and they would be jamming as a band. And I had, I didn't own an instrument or whatever. And then once I saw them play, you know, it's, it's different when you see MTV and you see videos, it's, it's like, you know, you see these people and you put them on a pedestal and you're like, wow, these, these people are rock stars or they're superheroes. But when you see your friends doing it, the kids that you go to school with, that one, it, it comes to, you know, more, it becomes more real and you're like, wow, they can do it. I can do it. So, you know, it took me a couple of times watching them play. And then I, I convinced my grandmother to, to, uh, to get a guitar for me. So kind of, that's when it started. So you, you've always wanted to be a guitarist from the very beginning. I think so. Yeah. I never really had any, any, um, any desire to play anything else. I, I, you know, like I said, from the early days of hearing Jimmy Page's guitar and, and then seeing my friends jam that that's the instrument that really stuck stuck out with me so are you self-taught for the most part but I, you know i i did have a lot of friends that played so i would always you know kind of be over their shoulder um and and, and kind of asking them what they were doing and you know how do you do this and do that and um you know now if i ever need to learn anything or i'm, I'm on youtube um but it wasn't, it wasn't as easy back then. You had to kind of, you had to go buy books, some books I had. Um, and then again, friends that, that, that were more skilled than you and you have to learn from them. Um, or a lot of by ear training, putting on Zeppelin CDs or putting on whatever and kind of playing along. So, yeah. uh, 
but uh, now I love it because I, I can just anything I wanted to, to brush up on or, or teach myself, I can just plug it into YouTube and it's pretty cool. I know. I, I do love that. Yeah. No matter what you want to know, no matter what you need to do, like there's going to be some tutorial on YouTube that's going to tell you exactly right. what to do. I, I love that. Right. So I'm guessing from what you said, um, you got your grandmother got the guitar and then you started playing in garage bands with the neighborhood kids for a while. Yep. Yeah. Did you that's play basically it? Basically it. And then um, I started my first band in, I think, 1997, actually with the with the drummer that's in, in a Bad Marriage. Um, I went to high school with him, Mike Delaney. And so we started playing together in, in 97. And, you know, you go through your different bands and stuff. But, yeah, you, you know, I just stuck with it. And uh, it's just all I've ever, ever known. And, and that's that's how I ended up here. Still rocking. Yes. You continue to rock for another 25, 30 years, probably even longer. I love it. Right. So let's fast forward then to 2015. How did the mm -hmm. band Bad Marriage get their start? Yeah, again, like I was, I was, um, you know, my previous band uh, before that, it kind of fizzled out or ended for whatever reason. And, and I said, you know, uh, I want to start. Uh, and it was a little different sounding than what Bad Marriage is, but Bad Marriage is ultimately what I always wanted to play is just straight up rock and roll band as you know you've been listening to what we sound like um and i kind of was like to myself you know i want to start one more band i want to try it one last time um you know i want to take everything i've learned from all the other bands that 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 i've been in you know all the 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 knowledge that i've learned whether we broke up or why we broke up um so i took all all what i've learned you know over my career and said i'm gonna i'm gonna I'm going to try one more band, taking all that I've learned. Um, I'm going to handpick everyone that that I think uh, would be great for the band. Um, you know, not only on stage but off stage. You know, um, uh, picking the right people is is pretty is half the battle, uh, or even more than half the battle. You know, so um, that's just what I did in 2015, and and um, we're we're doing pretty good now, and everyone's happy, so we're we're having a good time. So, did you think in your mind? Not that this would be it. If this band didn't work out, that were you going to go a different route musically? If you, you know, bad marriage didn't go where you wanted to go. So you said like you know you're going to take everything that you learned in from the past, and this was going to be the band. Did you no, have... this was more, this was more of my direction, like um, that I wanted to go in. So it was like if it didn't work out, it wouldn't have been the, the musical direction because it was going to be you know, somewhat of my vision of, of what I wanted to, to write. And, you know, just like, again, I'm, I kind of like circled back to old rock and roll and why I actually wanted to learn guitar and play. Um, you know, we I veered off a little bit with different bands. You know, sometimes I played in heavier bands, sometimes more popular stuff. So I was going, you know what, I'm going to do one more and it's going to be similar to the stuff that I really I really want to do. I grew up on and, and why I, I, you know, started to play guitar. So. And what you do is start playing all over the Boston area, just every club, anything, anybody would take it like, all right, come on, let's play another show here. Well, yeah. But I, I built a, you know, a pretty good relationship with a lot of places over, over the years, you know, with being in different bands. So, um, you know, once you start to know the, the places, the scenes, um, then, you know, you network with a bunch of people. Then when you have a good product, when, when I thought Bad Marriage was ready to play, yeah, then you start putting feelers out there and saying, hey, you know, I got this new band. And then, uh, you know, it, it was pretty easy to do, um, you know, because I'd been around the scene for, for years. Um, but yeah, Boston, New England, uh, you know, we played a lot around, uh, you know, Worcester area, um, you know, New Hampshire, Rhode Island, you know, New England area. So it wasn't just Boston, but yeah, yeah, yeah. And is compared to when you first started to what it is now? So I know, like when I, I, I'm, I think I'm older than you. I'm 55 years old. So I was in bands more in the late 80s, early 90s, and there was a lot of in this in Connecticut. There was a lot of rock clubs that don't exist any longer. Is it? Are you finding it similar for you right now? Like when you started, what 97? You said somewhere in that area. Yeah, I mean, when I started in 97, I wasn't really playing out then. That's when I was just yeah. first kind of starting to play. But the early 2000s, yeah, it was it was pretty thriving. I mean, yeah. there was a lot, a lot of cool places to play uh, all over New England. Um, but yeah, it's 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 been unfortunate. I've seen uh, dozens of, of kick-ass places close down for whatever reason. I know. Um, you know, most recent reason being COVID. You know, you saw, I saw a lot of places close because of that. So it's unfortunate. Um, but... As long as there's some places still 
still available to play. You know, it gives us the fighting chance. Exactly. Uh, so when when you were becoming more and more popular, playing all these different clubs, were you ever courted by any major labels? Um, no, you know, we we've we've had talks with labels before in my previous bands. We've done a bunch of showcases, which you know you go and play in front of a lot of different labels or different management companies and stuff. We did a lot of that stuff in New York and in my old bands and stuff. But um, you know, for the most part, we've all all of our bands have been pretty much self self run and uh, you know just kind of that's all we know is is, is we got to do it ourselves. We never depended on being discovered or anything. You know, when you grow up, there's always that hope that someone will find you and take yeah. you to the you know. But we, we, we you know. You, you you quickly learn that that's not reality. And uh, if you really want something, you just got to go out and get it yourself. So that's always the, the mindset we've had. Yeah. And see, I love that. And that's what, for my personal opinion, gets me mad about these quote unquote reality shows like The Voice and American Idol, where they think they're going to go on stage for one or two weeks, become a rock star, tour the world. It's like, I don't know, I like the bands like you, where you get in a van and just tour and meet everybody and you grow as a band to grow as a person and you become better and better. And then you, you, you know, you suffer, you become like the 20 year overnight success. I know. Well, that's again, that's the only, the only way we've ever known how to do it. So that's what we continue to do. Yeah. Well, keep on doing it. I love it. So you released two full length albums, as I mentioned, bad marriage and then bad marriage too. And, and yeah. you've always mixed engineered and produced for the band. So question for you is was it this a monetary issue or do you just like having full control of your sound i i think it's a little bit of both like i said when i wanted to start the band i had a vision you know so i, I knew what i wanted the band to sound like but i also always loved the the art and process of recording um because you know i had a lot of friends that that are you know mixing engineers recording engineers so i always watched them i was always eager to learn and so when I started Bad Marriage, I knew that, um, you know, I, I just knew we had a lot of songs to put out. I didn't not want to be one of those bands that put out a song or an album every other year. I just wanted to keep putting stuff out. And and uh, so I started buying recording equipment and then, you know, uh, asking a bunch of my friends, you know, any little shortcuts like, you know, hey, should I buy this microphone or should I buy this setup? And I kind of just uh, acquired a bunch of really good um, recording gear and kept kept teaching myself. And and since it was our band, we 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 took our time. You know, uh, there was well, there was no real time limit. So I I I just spent a lot of time on on learning the craft and um, you know, kind of crash coursing um, recording and mixing. So uh, just kind of fell into my lap, and now I really like it. Um, yeah. See, I love that. So can, very similar to you playing, learning how to play music, you, you know, work with the best and you see what they do and you learn. So you, right. of, you really, you're again, what you just said that you're self-taught in the mixing and engineering aspect as well, which is right. really, really impressive. Cause I know I'd be looking at the board saying, I have zero clue what to do. <laughs> <laughs> I still sometimes, you know, go, uh, you know, when it, when you leave it for a little bit, cause you know, like an hour on tour, when I go back, I'll still be, all right, wait a minute, what button does what? But uh, it comes, it comes back to you. And, yeah. and uh, yeah, I got, like I said, I got a big network of friends that are in, in the recording game. So I'm always uh, hitting them up with, with questions. So. so do you, do you produce other bands as well? I, I do. I do here. And there's a few local bands that, uh, that, that are, I, I dig and um, you know, I'm not like open about, it. I don't, you know, like advertise about it, but um, you know, every once in a while a band will come and say, Hey, um, you know, do you want to record? I'll take a listen to them. And um, if I, if I think I can help them, then sure. You know? Um, so, and I really like mastering now too. And, that, and that's a, a totally different process. Um, you know, I don't know if you're familiar with that whole process, but you know, mixing, recording, mixing, and then mastering. I, I really like that end of the recording spectrum. So uh, I do that a lot to, to, to uh, for other bands as well. Cool. Now I've spoken with a lot of bands on this show and Almost every, I think every musician told me the same thing. They said, well, these streaming platforms such as Spotify, iTunes, they prefer the bands to release one single per month. Do you, are you finding that you have the same problem with that instead of releasing a whole album? They're like, no, I'd rather have just one single because as a lot of people say, it's become more of an ADD nation and people will say you release an album and then six months later, like whatever happened to bad marriage. And so to keep, keep fresh in their head. They want you to release right. that 
do you do the same thing? Even though you released the EP, well, but on the streaming platforms? Right. Okay. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I think the yeah the whole key of being in a in a new band is is staying relevant. Whether it's you know I don't know if it's that strict new song every month. All that would be cool, um, and that would be probably ideal. But it's that's that's tough to to meet that demand one song a month. Um, but I think as long as you're putting out something. So what we try and do is say we put out a new single in you know July. Um, in August, maybe we'll put out a new music video or even a lyric video or a new photo shoot. So as long as you're, you're, you're keeping in that cycle. And, and so like you said, people like who's bad marriage, you know, um, yeah. but yeah. I think I think if as long as you're, you're coming up with new creative content um, on somewhat of a consistent basis, you have a good shot of staying on people's radars, you know. Um, but again, you, you know, you can only you, it's 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 a it's a tough spot because if you put out too much stuff and it's not anything, you know, significant, you know, you always want to be going like this, right? You always want to be, be, be climbing and, and doing better. So you don't want to put out too much, but you also don't want to be to go stale and forgotten about. So it's, it's not easy. Um, you just kind of, you kind of learn as you go, but you, yeah, you definitely don't want to um, not have creative content. You want to constantly be, be trying to, brainstorm hard what can what else can we do whether it's new photos new videos new lyric videos new songs um so yeah i mean it's it's not easy well yeah let's talk about the videos because you i know you have you do have some videos out. i saw them i love the videos mm -hmm. are they self-financed oh yeah everything is yeah. self-financed yeah. everything uh you know all the money bad marriages ever made it goes right back into the band because there's so much stuff to, to pay for yeah uh, so yeah, I mean, we just, uh, you know, we, we kind of put a plan together and see what we need. Okay, we need a new music video for this new song. And we try, we, we just figure it out. We book shows and try and, um, you know, and we always have new merch and stuff to sell. And we're just pretty good with with how we how we allocate our funds, you know. And I, I think that's very important, too, um, in, in keeping the band alive. Yeah. So as I mentioned in the intro, your latest release is entitled Artificial Mind. Was it a conscious effort to make it an EP or did you just want to come out with a couple songs now and then maybe release a full length album later on? Yeah, it was, it was, it was pretty, pretty well discussed that it was going to be an EP. There were several factors involved. I mean, one, it was produced by Brian Wheat, who plays bass in Tesla. Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, it was basically written and recorded over that whole COVID time frame where everyone was a little unsure what was going on um but we had flown out to sacramento to to record it and um you know it was expensive going over there you know five of us you know flights and back and forth a couple times so uh, we we figured um you know let's test the waters with brian and, and and write a couple songs it ended up being five ended up going really well um, you know, but we didn't want to come, no, even you know, none of us wanted to commit to, you know, say 12 songs if, if it wasn't jiving. So I, I think the EP worked. I think everyone was happy and, uh, you know, we would, we would do it again. That was a perfect segue because that's what I wanted to bring up next. I was going to mention just the first one that you would not produce yourself. So, um, now that you told my audience who produced the album, what are your mm -hmm. differences in style? Um, you know, he's just, he has a lot more experience than me. You know, um, number one, he, he's co-written huge songs. Obviously, Tesla's a, a, a very legendary band, mm -hmm. um, sold millions and millions of records. So uh, he's been in the game. He, you know, he knows his craft. He's, he's actually a very good um, mixing and recording engineer. He's a very good songwriter. Um, so, again, he's another one like we talked about that I've, I've learned a lot from, too. Um, so... You know, it's it's going to sound different. He's got all different equipment. He's got a different ear than me, um, which I totally embraced and the, and the band embraced. And, and we knew that going in. It was not going to exactly sound like our previous releases. And, and we were cool with that. We, we wanted to see what, you know, what kind of direction we would go in. But we still, uh, you know, we still sound like that marriage, which which is really cool. Yeah. And speaking of Tesla, you also had Jeff from Tesla saying on three of the five tracks. That's pretty cool. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, amazing. Yeah. I mean, he, um, he came down uh, while we were recording in, in Sacramento and, and laid some vocals down, which was just, which, which was amazing. And uh, he's, 
he's just such a fantastic person. And like I said, we did a, a lot of touring with Tesla and that's when we, we hung out with them. You know, when you, when you tour with a band extensively, um, you know, you really, you, you either really love each other or you really hate each other. Yeah. And, uh, you know, they, they took us under their wing and, and they're just, uh, that whole Tesla camp's really cool. And, and, uh, we became close with Jeff. And so when we asked him if he'd like to sing on a song, uh, or two or three, you know, um, <laughs> he, he, he was super cool about it. And, and yeah, we're, we're, we're pretty happy about that. It's so great to see bands like that that are just so down to earth, very cool, no ego at all. I love hearing stories like that. So I want to talk about how the Monsters of Rock cruise that you did and how that led to the band getting an additional guitar player. Yep. Well, the Monsters of Rock cruise was awesome. That was a last minute thing for us. Um, again, it was coming off the tail end of COVID, restrictions between countries there's a lot going on and and uh, you know long story short uh, a couple of bands that were booked on the cruise had canceled so we got the call um kind of like the you know like when you call up to the major leagues in, in baseball or whatever and, and uh we got a call five days before the, wow. the cruise left from uh port in uh, miami i think or wherever you know so um i wrangled the boys and i and i told them look this is going to be crazy you know uh, to get everything together but we got to do this and, and um we we uh we made some awesome fans on the cruise uh we shared the stages with obviously a bunch of legendary bands and um and uh yeah uh it was an amazing time um and yeah like you said um we added a we have since added um a new guitar player uh which was tommy tommy skeel uh, who was formerly in tesla um, and his band at the time were playing on the same cruise. So um, obviously I knew who Tommy was, but I, I, I didn't know him. So I just introduced myself on the cruise and we became friends. And, uh, you know, uh, over at least the past year, we talked, you know, a couple of times a week about whatever, you know, um, and it just kind of stemmed from there. Um, I, I He had played a solo on one of our new songs, which isn't out yet. Um, and we all, the band really loved it. And we thought it really brought a fresh sound to Bad Marriage, something that we, you know, don't really sound like, but in, again, like it was kind of like working with Brian, it was a new direction and it was really cool. Uh, it was refreshing to us. So, um, Tommy ended up coming down and practicing with us and having fun. And, and, uh, we really, really, uh, fell in love with the sound of having him, uh, and a third guitar player and what he brought sonically. Um, so after that, I asked him, I said, Hey man, we're, we're going on a tour in July, um, for, you know, I think 23 shows and, and, uh, he kind of said, yeah, man, I'll do that. So here we are. All right. I'm trying to remember, is that the cruise that included autograph? Were they on that cruise? Um, you know what? I'm really not sure. Uh, we have played with autograph. Um, it was on the monsters of the mountain festival. Oh, that's what uh, I'm thinking of. The reason I bring yep. that up was because I don't know if you know the guitar player, Jimmy Bell. Oh yeah. Yeah. He's a friend of mine. Yeah. Yeah. He's yep. a friend of mine too. He's, he is, if you know his story, he's from Connecticut. He was a local legend, you know, played, it was between him and Zach Wilde. Then he played with Geezer Butler. So I mean, so I had him on the show, such a great down earth guy, just like you. I mean, we talked for like two hours about everything. And it's just, I, I love seeing people like you too finally get that success. I mean, he's, he's been through so much, if you know his story and he, finally got to where he, and then unfortunately the only original member of autograph died but they're still doing so great now and i'm right. so happy to see that yeah yeah um, no he's, he's a super nice guy uh we've we've got to chat a few different times yeah. um and he's just just a, yeah sweet guy very genuine and his yeah. talent is 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 insane i mean he's a phenomenal phenomenal guitar player so oh yeah he's also in another band called beyond purple which is really good yeah yeah I, I love that band so as you mentioned you guys are a DIY, do it yourself, everything. I mean, no booking agent, no manager, no label. So do you and the band members each take on a responsibility to make this happen? Pretty much. Um, you know, like I said, uh, I started the band, so I kind of have the most responsibility. I kind of, it's kind of on me. Um, you know, I kind of act as manager. I act as a booking agent and I do all the recording, right? So this is a lot on my plate, but again, you know, I signed up for it. It's, it's my thing. I enjoy doing it. Um, yeah, but everyone has their pretty much has their, their role. 
you know, um, our drummer is really good with numbers and accounting. So he handles that stuff and mm -hmm. make sure we don't overspend or that kind of, that kind of thing. Um, our bass player Todd is very good at, uh, like it web stuff yeah so he built the website he can handle all that kind of stuff our other guitar player ian is is our is our um shipping and shipping and receiving person he you know he mails out all the merch that that, that comes in and we actually do pretty well in the merch department so he you know he does he does all that stuff so yeah everyone has their own little um their little jobs to do so now are all of you full-time musicians or do you still some of you still have two, second job to pay the bills Oh yeah, we all have to we all have to find uh, additional sources of income to 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 help. You know, um, obviously that's the goal. It would be nice for this to pay uh, and, and not have us, but who knows? The more we 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 tour and stuff, then then uh, that might happen. But yeah, you know. I see. I see a lot of musicians who just do music full time. They're not just in one band. They're in five, six different bands. They're doing guest spots here and there, so just to keep the money coming in because. As you mentioned, it's like just with one band doesn't seem like it is enough unless you're like, you know, yeah. in the upper echelon where you're playing stadiums and doing all these different things. So I, yeah, yeah. yeah. So a question for you then. So when you like you, you had five days to get ready for the rock cruise, all you have to take a leave of absence from your job and say, hey, you know what? I'm going to be gone for a while. So pretty much. Yeah. It was, you know, again, we, we made it happen. Everyone had to kind of, figure out how to how to leave for a week on last minute notice but we all did it and it was well okay. worth it and, and, and yeah I'm, I'm glad that you know your jobs were able to understand that because you know it's a dream of yours and you how many times are you gonna get that opportunity so i'm glad that yeah, yeah. That happened. so yeah. i want to talk to you about your writing process what mm -hmm. is that do you first of all do you come up with the melody with the the music and then write the lyrics or do you just write the music and have the, the vocalist write the yeah the it's it's yeah there's no real set way, but for the most part, I come up with something initially um, before giving it to our singer, um, Johnny. So it's basically that. I mean, sometimes I'll have some lyrics in my head. Sometimes I'll have a, just a song title with a couple guitar parts and, and he'll take the song title and, and, and write lyrics. Sometimes I'll have a full verse and a chorus and it's just kind of all different depending. And uh, you know, sometimes I'll have a whole song written out acoustically um and 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 give that that to him and then it goes back to the band to you know if it needs any arrangement um, adjustments or you know it's it's a little different case by case but it usually starts the backbone of the song starts with me uh that has some sort of idea or a theme of, of a new idea and we kind of go from there um, there's, um i'm not sure if you know who these are it's the connecticut band um fate's warning did you ever do you know who they are I, I, i'm not sure no well, the reason I bring that up is because I wanted to ask you what they, I, they live all over the world. Like one will be living in England, the other one will be living in yeah. the So what they do is one will make a tape, send it to the singer, the singer will bring it, send it to the drummer. So with yeah. your band, I'm guessing you're all in one area so you can work together and collaborate, make it a much, a much easier. I mean, maybe not, yeah. it could be easier. And I think it's more, I think it would be, you know, you get a lot more out of it when you're all in the same room, just brainstorming. Yeah, it is more difficult though, you know, as you get older too. We 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 do we do try and rehearse once a week. Yeah. So, but when we rehearse, we have to rehearse the songs that we already know, you know, for an upcoming show or a tour. So, we do use a lot of email like I I can do everything, you know, like I said I can record a lot of parts at my house yeah. and I can email and I can send it out. So, that definitely helps to be able to 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 email parts and stuff like that. Has your um, writing process process changed since you had added the additional members? Well, we haven't really got with Tommy. No, we haven't got to really, you know, kind of everything happened fast with that too. So right now we're just trying to get tight as a band, as three guitar players for this tour. Um, but after that, I'm sure it will change a little bit with another another uh, dynamic added to it. But we're 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 happy, you know, we're we're psyched to 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 go down that path. I can't wait. That must be fun and when you're playing some of the smaller clubs with all the musicians on stage with five different people, three guitarists, the bass player, singer, drummer, all on one stage. That must be fun to uh, try and not to trip over each other. <laughs> yeah, well, it's, yeah. It's, this, it, it's kind of a case-by-case -case situation with the stages. Some are just super small where it's, it's, it's really tough. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's, it's always fun playing, you know, really tight next to each other because you, you feel like, like a complete unit you know what i mean some of the stages are huge that you it's like where are you you know but, um, <laughs> oh yeah definitely 
I love asking musicians this, this next question because to me, um, there's a huge difference between being a great musician and then being a great performer. Some are great at both. Do you have a favorite in each one? Like an example, some, one musician that I asked this to, he said his best performer slash musician was Prince. Another one said Michael Jackson. And then I brought up an example of like Paul McCartney might not be the best um, bass player, but he's a great performer. And then you have, you know, people that are great musicians like Yngwie Malmsteen, who's not that much of a performer, but I mean, he could play the hell out of a guitar. Yeah, yeah. I mean, like I said, I love any great front man like Bon Scott as someone who just has it and, and yeah. it's effortless. It's effortless and, and you, you can't you can't really teach that kind of stuff, you know. But then there's a million singers that can just hit all these different octaves and it's just absolutely amazing. So I do appreciate both. And, and uh, you know, I don't know about any favorites, but like even like Jimmy Page, like he wasn't he wasn't known for being perfect on stage. Um, but his songwriting was so good and the way he he thought of songwriting structure and layering guitars underneath each other on his albums. So, yeah, I mean, there's a lot to it um, with that kind of stuff. But um, I don't know. I just like it all. I know. Me too. You know, it's funny. I'm glad you said that because I, I've been to shows where the band, some of the bands I've seen are trying so hard to be technically correct and they're not having fun. I'd rather see somebody mess up and they're having fun on stage. To me, it gets me more into it. And you can tell the band's having a great time. The audience is having more fun instead of like, if I really want to hear exactly how it sounds on the CD or the streaming, I can go home and listen to it for free. Right. Or instead of, so I'd rather have somebody just mess up, having fun, just playing it a little bit differently yeah. than they did. So I, I like- Yeah, I agree. I agree. I mean, there's, there's definitely- when you think of going out to see someone live in concert, right? It's not just with your ears. It's a yeah. visual thing too. So you definitely like to see some sort of visual, you know, whether it's the band rocking out and, and really, uh, you know, some high energy on stage. And so, yeah, this, you know, we, we, we definitely try and uh, we put everything forward when we're on stage and, and, and show that we want to be there, you know? I love it. I love it. So do you have a dream collaboration that hasn't happened yet? Uh, I mean, I think, you know, like I said, it would be cool to have someone from our our home area, like if, we, you know, we got to play with Aerosmith or have him on a track, you know, Joe Perry on a track or Stephen Tyler, I think that would be pretty cool. But, yeah, um, you know, I never really, I guess, yeah, I guess that would be, that would be really, really cool, you know. Yeah. But um, other than that, we're just trying to write awesome songs. I mean, if you ask me if I ever thought the singer from Tesla would be on a, our songs, I would have laughed and said no. Um, and now we have one of the, the, the guitar players in our band. So, uh, yeah, I mean, it's, it's it's pretty pretty surreal when you stop and think about it. But we're just we're trying not to stop and think about it. And we're just trying to put out some really good stuff. Yeah, no, exactly. I, I yeah. know exactly what you're saying. And I agree with you. So when I was doing my research, I was I found out that you do when you're playing live, you do a lot of cover songs such as, you know, Aerosmith, as you mentioned, ACDC, ZZ Top. Judas yeah. Priest, you have some really good cover songs. You, uh, just like Faster Pussycat, when they did Carly Simon's "You're So Vain," did you ever think of releasing one of those songs, doing your version of it? Yeah, we have. We have released a couple. Um, okay. Um, you know, we we, we did a, um, a, a, a. I don't know how obscure, but I guess it's Tom Petty has so many hit songs. But we did a, our own version of, of one of his old songs called "Honeybee," and we actually did a video for it too. So. Oh. Yeah, so you'll have to check that one out if you haven't. It's pretty cool. Um, but, you know, we have our own version of Thin Lizzy's Jailbreak. We recorded that. I think that's somewhere online. Um, we've recorded our version of Sweet Emotion, Born to be Wild by Steppenwolf. So we have recorded some covers and put them out there. Um, so it, uh, we, we have a great version of Holy Diver by Dio. Nice. Um, so, yeah, so, you know, a lot. we, we normally just do covers live. Uh, to fill time, you know, I mean, yeah. if, if we have to play a longer set, we'll throw in a bunch of covers. We always try and put one or two in our set anyway, just because, you know, it, it, it helps. It helps when people know, you know, a song or two, you know, it helps bring them back, you know, if they're getting bored or whatever. And, and uh, you know, like, I like hearing a band do a good cover or something, but I mostly like the original music. So um, we, we mess around with covers. We have a lot of fun with it. Yeah, no, I love that. And it's funny you say that because in the 80s, when I was mentioning, when I was in bands, it seems like in this area anyway, there was a lot of clubs that let you play more original music. And then a couple of the, my friends who were still in bands later on, they wanted mm -hmm. them more 
play covers. They're like, oh, I like when people get drunk and they hear something that's familiar and then they're buying more right. beer and then the club owners love when you... So I love the fact that you're able to play a mixture of both. Put in some cover songs, the audience goes crazy. Then else they get the hair. So they can, like, this is really good. So then they then they're like, check out your stuff. So how has the band changed over the years then? Um, we just try and get better. It hasn't really drastically changed. We just try and get better at what we do: songwriting, uh, better on stage. Um, just just the basic, uh, you know, the, the basic thing that I tell my guys is as long as we're all happy and, and we're excited about new music, we keep going, you know, and, and uh, that, that's basically what we do. Um, you know, if we change, hopefully it's for the better, you know, and, and yes. we just get, like I said, better at writing songs and, and uh, you know, at our, at our craft on and off stage. So. Do you ever feel pressure, maybe not even from the fans um, to stay more the same? And I'll tell you what I mean. It's like a lot of times musicians will say, Oh, you know, like, well, especially with bands that are signed, they'll say like they basically want the same songs but different names or different album titles. Do you ever feel pressure from the fans like, oh, they're all better because yeah. it sound like they used to? I want them to stay exactly the same, even though I think that's why why I always make this um, this analogy. Like, you'll never see a band for the most part like going from the Beatles, like from Love Me Do all the way to Sgt. Pepper's. It seems like either the record label won't let them change that drastically they'll drop them right. or the fans will say yeah i don't know about that <laughs> no we just we we don't really feel pressure i mean uh that's good we, we have a lot of we have a lot of material that's still unreleased and and we and it's it's from all different spectrums um from rock to metal and and, and we just love it and, and we just kind of do what we want so we're, we're just happy that okay. we, you know that we get to do what we can do and and uh our, our fans that we have are pretty pretty badass so they, they really They've been really cool with with everything we've put out so far. So, yeah. When you mentioned you do, I, I want to get back to this for a minute. You mentioned Dio. You, they do mm-hmm. covers on with that band, Last in Line. What what exactly is that? I know it's um. Is that members of the Dio band? That yeah, are yeah. yeah, 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 like, yeah. Very, very cool. Very, that was a cool show. We've only we played with them once, but they were very cool. And uh, yeah, again, uh, just uh, sharing the stage with with legendary, you know. Uh, musicians is is really cool and and uh we, we do that a lot and, and we we like to think we can hang with all those guys and and uh yeah we, we love it well I, th- I think you uh you already proved that you can i mean all these legends that you yeah. played with going on tour you know tesla buck cherry all the other ones i think you, yeah, yeah. you, you can hang you could definitely hang <laughs> <laughs> well touring and selling merchandise is definitely the best way to make money now with because there's you're not going to make it from streaming obviously yeah so some of the bands i've spoken with said that it's so difficult for an independent band to it's extremely expensive to tour because of the gas because of hotel rooms yeah. so how do you work around that Again, uh, it's not easy. So you 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 actually answered the question because it's 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 you know hotels, gas, everything. It's not easy, and you just you know you 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 budget you budget your your local shows with you know that's where kind of our bread and butter where we make money, and and you you know you budget it correctly and allocate it to uh, new merchandise, and you hope that you sell merchandise to pay for your 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 trip. You know, like you do a couple hundred bucks in merch. It's a decent night that goes in the gas tank. You might be able to get a hotel room. You do more than a couple hundred, you're good. You know, you have some padding. You just, we just, we're a well-oiled machine now. So we kind of know what we can and what we can't do. And and uh, we're, we're, we're pretty confident that we, that we can make things happen on the road as these touring opportunities come up. So we're, we're, we got, a, we got a pretty good uh, idea of how to, how to, how to keep going. Yep. I think one of the best books I've ever read on touring has to be Henry Rollins, Get in the Van. I'm not sure if you ever heard of that. Was with no, his, I, no, I haven't. That'd be cool, though. It, it's his days in Black Flag. When he first, okay. he, was, he was offered the job, and he was manager at an ice cream shop, and he said, you know, I'm never going to get this chance again. But basically, they went in the van, and there are all the horror stories. But he said, that's what made him who he is today. Mm-hmm. The, all, the, all that suffering and going through everything. And it was just, so I, I'm it's definitely, I think that we mentioned before, instead of, you know, going on stage on American Idol and then going on a world tour after that, what you're doing builds character and makes you a better songwriter slash musician, gives you more life experiences that you can write about. So, right. Yeah. No, yeah, I agree. Uh, it's not, and it's not for everyone, you know, touring is not, you know, a lot of bands dissolve or implode after the first tour because you, you get to really see everybody's, 
uh, true, I guess, true colors when you're on the road and you're in a tight space for, you know, months or weeks or whatever, because, you know, it's, it's not an easy thing to do. So if you can, you can figure out everyone's personalities and, and whatever, and, 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 uh, and, and deal with them and, 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 and continue to have fun. then that's, that's how, you know, you can be successful. Well, you mean the, the name of your band is perfect because being in a band really is like a marriage. <laughs> it really yeah, that's is. right. Right. Yeah. Sometimes you you're gonna it. love them, other times you're gonna hate them. You just have to learn how there to get along. <laughs> <laughs> so you mentioned, you know, so the advice that you were given, and you basically just learn by more by watching. So for you, giving advice to an up and coming musician, what would that be? Well, that that'd be a, we'd be here for a while. <laughs> but uh, I will a few things is 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 uh, like I said is is staying relevant and 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 putting out stuff that's cool and creative you know and um and and going and getting good recordings of stuff you know um and not rushing to put out a song if it's not uh you know really sounding good um I think having a great sounding song or record goes a long way number one I think really crafting your look I think that's still very important. I think looking like a rock band, you know, whether and it doesn't, you know, doesn't have to be cliche, but just having some cool, unique look and, and uh, you know, that, that caters to your sound, you know, uh, is, is really cool. Uh, taking good photos, having a good music video for your single. And again, it all costs money, though, and, and, and it's not easy to do. But I think, uh, you know, you put all your ducks in a row like that and, you know, you're, you're on the right path. But, uh, yeah, I'd say good recordings is 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 important and staying relevant how can you keep um putting out you know content you know yeah. and i don't have the answer i just you know i just uh we're, we're learning as we go as well you know so are you always continuing writing songs you, oh yeah, yeah 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 we we have tons and tons of stuff um so we're, we're not lacking in that department um what what we run into is time um because being on the road you can't you know, focus time on recording and mixing. So we have tons of stuff that we're ready to, to get down and, and get out there to the, to the public, but uh, we just need time to get, to get it done. Well, one thing I love about you and, and, the, and the rest of the band is that you, you guys have a great relationship with your fans. I love the fact how you interact with them. So tell my viewers, uh, what is the bad marriage society? I love this. <laughs> yeah, that, that's, that's uh, you know, and I, and I think I missed that, when you, you know, when you said, what would your advice be? And, and that's, yeah, if you do start to get fans, um, you know, as you start to, 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 to uh, you know, make a name for yourself and your band is, is, is to really embrace them um, and, and, and just, uh, and, and listen to them, talk with them and make them feel like uh, family. And that's, that's what we continue to do. And, and, and um, it, uh, that just goes over so, so well. And that's how you get diehard dedicated fans. Um, you know, and, and um, uh, the Bad Marriage Society is a is a Facebook group dedicated to to bad marriage fans. Um, and it's like a family and it's a private group, which which um, which means, you know, if you, you join the group if you want to be there, you know, which which is really cool, because it's if it's public, anyone can just go on there and, you know, start spamming and, you know, doing whatever. So. Uh, we've built I don't know, it's almost 3000 people now. And, and, you know, they're all, they're all there because they want to be there. Um, and it, it's, it's just one way of, of giving back. And it's kind of like a, you know, a playground for, for, for bad marriage fans. And we're all actively on there. All of our members are chiming in and we're, we're thanking people We're we're joking around and it just goes a long way. So yeah, that's, that's just one outlet of, of how to give back and, and, and stay, um, you know, in, in a communicating way with, with people who dig your, your band and your, your, your sound. And I think that's extremely important because I can, you probably, I mean, I'm sure you know, but people don't imagine like the impact you would have, like one of their favorite rock stars starts talking like, Hey, how's it doing? So glad you enjoyed the album. And then like, Oh my God. And so, yeah, I, yeah. I, I love the fact that you are interacting with your fans and did you ever get people like, yeah, this isn't really Mike Fitz. Okay. Whoever you are. <laughs> Uh, not really, but um, that that'd be funny if, if they didn't think it was me. I'd, I'd get a kick out of that. But uh, I I like when I'll comment on you know a, a rock star or someone who's you know somewhat famous, and they get right back to me. It makes me happy. 
you yeah. know what I mean? So it's like, and then, and then it makes me think, oh, they, you know, these people are really cool. They're down to earth. So, you know, that's the way we, we strive to be. And we always have been. I love it. So I know you're on tour right now and I guess yep. tour, today's a day off and you're going, you're playing in Canada. So let's do a little plugging for you. What's next okay. and where can people find you? Well, uh, what's next is the rest of the tour. Like I said, all the dates are on our page, madmarriagemusic.com. Uh, mm-hmm. That everything is 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 on there. You know, that's our hub for, you know, if you want to find our merch, our shows, and all that good stuff. Um, again, on Facebook, we have that private group called Bad Marriage Society. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's, it's a really really cool community, um, and, and everyone's super nice there. Um, so tomorrow, uh, yeah, we're in Montreal tomorrow. We're playing at a place called the Piranha Bar, which is supposed to be really cool. We're on tour with, uh, with Enough's Enough and the Choir Boys, both very, very, very kick-ass bands, genuine people, super, super nice. Um, we hang out every day uh, and, and that just makes the tour go, go a lot better when all the bands are on the same page and super professional, but also know how to, how to, uh, kick back and relax and have a good time too on our off days. And, uh, it's, it's been great so far. Um, after that, you know, after we get back uh, in early August, we have some hometown dates. I, off the top of my head, I got so many dates going through my head. I'm not sure. But again, badmarriagemusic.com, all of our shows are listed. Um, and then we hope to just put out uh, some new stuff, obviously, with our new guitar player, Tommy. Um, we're going to put out some new music with him, hopefully a new video when we get back. Wow. Um, so, yeah, we, we got a lot of work to do, but we're excited about it. Well, I definitely personally cannot wait to see you live in concert sometime soon. I mean, that's why I love living in Connecticut because you have Boston on one side, New York on another, Rhode Island. So it's really, yeah. no matter where you guys are playing, I'm sure I could at least catch you once or twice. And I will definitely be doing that when I'm, now that I know who you are and where you're playing around, I'll be looking for you. And you see me That'd in the front row going, going crazy. <laughs> That'd be awesome, man. I hope to see you. Uh, so before we leave, is there anything yeah. else that you wanted to talk about that I did not mention? Um, I think we got everything. I mean, we're excited about our new EP. Um, yep. You know, if people are into vinyl, we have we have both of those full length albums. Uh, you mentioned Bad Marriage, our self titled, and then Bad Marriage Two. Yeah. We have those on vinyl, which uh, which are really cool. We spent a lot of uh, time on our custom artwork. We have a guy that draws all our stuff, and uh, we really like that the old school ways of you know really really cool drawings and and, and stuff like that. So yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, I think we got everything. Our, our new EP is out on CD and, and obviously all the streaming services. And we're psyched about that. And uh, yeah, come out to a show, anyone that's listening and come say hello and, you know, and, and uh, we'll, we'll hang out. Yep. I have to say before we go, though, because like I said, mm-hmm. I'm a little bit older than you. And I, in the 70s, I loved the, the albums. I loved opening up. You had the artwork, you had the liner notes, yeah. you had all the different, I, I just, I missed the albums. And people said, oh, you know, the sound's not good. I love the, I love the quality of it. And it's funny because back in the 70s, the albums would be cheaper and the CDs, when they came out, you'd have, they'd be like 20 bucks. Now the CDs are three, $4 and the albums are $20. But I just, yeah, I, I'm so glad that it's making a comeback. Like I always say, Definitely. everything is cyclical and I'm glad yeah. that albums, I don't think we'll ever get back to eight tracks. I don't think we'll ever go back that far, but. <laughs> right, right. I, I love eight tracks. I still collect eight tracks, but um. Yeah, yeah. you have to, and again, there's another thing, a piece of advice, I guess, um, for new bands, and you got to kind of have everything. You got to have your music on all the digital streaming platforms, right? Spotify, all that stuff, YouTube, you got to be putting stuff out there. But you also got to have formats that people like, like like a hard copy CD. Some people really still like CDs. We sell a ton of them at our shows. Uh, we're selling vinyl almost every night, and people love when we sign it. So, you know, if you can, again, it's expensive. You got, you know, to, ha- to have all this stuff and, and, and make it and you got to be sitting on it for a while. Um, but for a touring band, if you're just starting to tour, the more cool stuff you have at your merch table, the more that you're going to sell and, and, and be able to take that money and put back into the, 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 the band. Very, very cool. All great. Thanks so much for being on the show. I enjoyed it very right. much. I love the band. I'm, like I said, I listened to the EP five or six times. I listened to Bad Marriage one and two several times. I'm definitely going to be joining the uh, Bad Marriage Society as soon as I get off this. Awesome. this uh, so you, I'll be interacting with you on Facebook myself. Mike, love to have you back on the show whenever uh, you want to. We'll talk about whatever's next. And uh, thank you very much for being on the Claws Corner. Awesome, buddy. Thank you very much. Have a great night. Uh, you too.
That wraps up the latest episode of The Claws Corner. A huge thanks goes out to guitarist, mixing engineer, mastering engineer, and songwriter Mike Fitz for taking time out of his extremely busy schedule to be a guest on my show. Have good luck on the tour. A special thanks also goes out to editor extraordinaire John Bristol of Elmwood Productions for always doing a superb job editing this show each and every week and making it available to all. Thank you very much, John. I am also extremely grateful to Rob Bull and Joseph Timothy Quirk for all, of the, all they do to make this show available on several Connecticut radio stations, as well as Spotify, iTunes, Amazon Music, Audible, and iHeartRadio. Thank you both very much. And lastly, but definitely not least, I need to thank you, the viewer, for always tuning in. Enjoy your day, everyone.